glory and honor to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in uh, Genesis chapter number 18. And, uh, of course, we've been going through a series on Sunday mornings called Helping People Reach Their Full Potential. And this morning, we're going to be ending our series. This is the last sermon in the series. And, of course, it's Father's Day. Uh, so just like on Mother's Day, I preached a sermon called How to Reach Your Full Potential as a Mother. Uh, this morning, I'm preaching a sermon entitled How to Reach Your Full Potential as a Father. And I'd like to, of course, give you men that are here this morning uh, seven statements regarding how to reach your full potential as a father. We'll try to go through these as quickly as we can. And, of course, if you're here this morning and you're a father, then, then this sermon is for you. I hope you'll pay attention. I hope you'll, uh, you'll apply it to your life. Maybe you're a young man and you will, will be a father one day. Then this is uh, the, something, some, some of these things are things you need to be aware of, you need to learn. Maybe you raise your children. You're a grandfather. Well, you're still a father. You're a grandfather. You're better than a father. You're a grandfather. And uh, so, so these things would be a help to you. And sometimes I preach these sermons when I preach them for the ladies on Mother's Day. Men will say, that was helpful to me. Well, you ladies, while as I preach to the men, you might find that some of these things are helpful to you as well. Uh, so we'll look at these uh, seven thoughts regarding how to reach your full potential as a father. I want to begin here in Genesis 18. If you look down at verse number 17, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And in verse 19, for me personally, I find one of the most convicting verses in the Bible. Whenever I read this, and of course as a father, whenever I read this, as a husband when I read this, it, it, it brings a lot of, I don't know what the right word is, but a lot of emotions come, come to, to my mind and my heart. I hope that you men, you men will look down at this verse and really look at it and take it seriously. This is, of course, God, the Lord of the universe, speaking about this man Abraham. And he says this, he says, For I, this is the Lord speaking, know him, referring to Abraham. He says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. I think it's interesting that God would write in Scripture to be written down for all of eternity in His Word a statement about this man Abraham. Abraham was not perfect, obviously. Abraham made a lot of mistakes like anybody else. But it's interesting to me that God would say of this man that I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. I wonder if God could say that about me. I wonder if that, God, that could be said about you this morning. He says, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. I want to begin this morning, I want to give you seven statements, and I'll, I'll try to move through these as quickly. Keep your place there in Genesis, if you would, and go, go to Joshua chapter 24. If you go past Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Joshua 24, and uh let me give you these seven statements. First of all, let me say the, 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 the men's choir, they did a wonderful job. They did, they did a good job. I taught them everything they know. And, uh, so praise the Lord for that. But uh, I'm just kidding. Um, they did a good job. Joshua 24. Let me give you these seven statements. Number one, to reach your full potential as a father, to reach your full potential as a father, you should lead your home. To reach your full potential as a father, you should lead, re, lead your home. That's what we saw there in Genesis 18. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord. If you intend to reach your full potential as a father, and I hope you do, I hope you're here this morning and you say, I want to be the best father that I can be for the children that God has blessed me with, then you need to determine that you will lead your home. Joshua 24, and look at verse 15. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. I know you know these verses, but uh, let's look at them together. The Bible says, this is Joshua speaking. This is at the end of his life, after he's led the children of Israel into the promised land. They've conquered the land. He's speaking to the children of Israel, and he makes this statement. He says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, he says, choose you this day whom ye will serve, 
whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. And then he makes this statement, which again is an amazing statement for the, a man to make. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And I will submit to you this morning that what we need in the Christian home is male leadership. What we need in the Christian home is for men to step up, for men to rise up, for husbands and fathers to decide that they are going to be the spiritual leaders of their home. I find today that there are two extremes when it comes to this idea of, of male leadership. And today, this is almost a byword. To even speak of men leading anything today uh, would get you accused of, of, of being a male chauvinist and being uh, a hate preacher and, and all these things. But I find that there are two extremes when it comes to male leadership. One extreme is that men have abdicated their role as leaders in the home. Right. And this is the world we live in, where a man can't even, you know, for a man to even stand up and say, hey, I want to lead my wife and I want to lead my children. Men are looked down upon today with this idea of, of, of men leading uh, the home today. And, 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 and a lot of it has to do with the fact that men themselves have abdicated the role of leadership in their home. Today in America, in, in the United States of America, you do not find a lot of men that would make a statement like this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You don't find a lot of men that makes a statement today that will say, no, I am going to lead. I'm going to lead my wife. I'm going to lead my children. I'm going to lead my home in the things of God. That God could say of us, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. So one extreme in America today, which is not hard to find. In fact, you can just look into the average home in America today and you find that men have abdicated their role for leadership. And look, if you look at our society today, you will find that one of the reasons that we are in the place we are is because men have decided to, uh, to, to, to be AWOL when it comes to leading their home. You don't have to turn here, but let me just read this verse for you. Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12 says this, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. Here God is speaking to the children of Israel. And he says, you know what your problem is? Your problem is that men have abdicated their role as leaders. He says, as for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. And you know, when you look into the family unit today in the United States of America, you know what you find? You find homes that are led by children and homes that are led by women. And you know what you find is a bunch of cowardly men we're more interested in serving themselves and serving their own self than to step up and to fulfill the role that God has called them to, which is to protect and to provide and to point the way for their family to be led of the Lord. You say, what's, what's the problem with America today? You know what the problem with America? Look, look around at the problem with America today. You know what it is? It's that it's being led by a bunch of women and it's being led by a bunch of children. And you say, I don't think you should say that. Let me tell you what you get when you have a society where men are afraid to step up and lead or they're too cowardly to step up and lead or they're too lazy to step up and lead or they're too uh, just into their own selves to step up and lead. You know what you get? Look, everything we have wrong with our society today, look at it. The abortion crisis in this country, you know why it is? It's because we have households being led by women. I mean, that is just a fact. Abortion and, and, and the, the, the fact that abortion is as popular as it is today is because of women that are voting in those types of things. And obviously, in, in at Verity Baptist Church, we have godly women that are against abortion. And I'm not talking about, about you, but in society today, even unsaved, unchristian men are against abortion. You know who's for abortion? A bunch of liberal, short-haired, feminist women. And the problem is that the Christian leaders, the Christian men, have just decided, oh, I'm not going to fight that battle. I'm not going to stand up. I'm not going to lead my home. Let me tell you something. You want to know why we have this LGBTQ nonsense going on, this transgender, transvestite garbage going on in our country today? You think it would have happened if there was a bunch of hair-legged men leading their homes, reading the Bible with their children, praying with their wife, bringing them to church? Hey, what's the problem with our nation today is that men have abdicated the role of leadership. And look, you say, well, that's what's wrong with America. But that's what's wrong with Verity Baptist Church. 
And I love Ernie Baptist Church. I'm not, but I'm telling you, any home where a man abdicates his role as leader will fail. As for my people, children are their oppressors and women rule over them. And look, that's what you find today. Go to the grocery store. You know what you see? A bunch of families being led by their children. A bunch of men being led by the nose by their ornery wife. Men need to step up. And if you're going to reach your full potential as a father man, you've got to decide you're going to lead your home. Now, one extreme is the extreme of abdicating your leadership role. But then there's another extreme. And I'm against both of these extremes. You say, what's the other extreme? The other extreme is where these men are on power trips. And this honestly just, it it, it breaks my heart and it makes me sad. Because some of you men are making it difficult for me to stand up and preach the Bible and preach what the Bible says and preach that the Bible teaches that men should be the spiritual leader, the provider, the protector of the home and that wives should submit to their husbands and that children should submit to their parents. Some of you men are making it difficult for a preacher like me to stand up and, and preach because when I do stand up and preach, some of you guys just say, well, I'm not abdicating my role. But some of you are on such power trips that it, it's, it's embarrassing. You say, well, don't you believe in, in male leadership? Yeah, I believe in male leadership. But for some reason, some of you decided to be Saddam Hussein. <laughs> and, and, and I see this so often with men, you know, and especially in newer marriages. Some, some of you got young guys, and I'm not mad at you, but you, you've never led anything. You've never led anyone. And then you, you finally trick some young lady into marrying you. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm going to make sure she knows. You know, look, you know, the Bible teaches servant leadership. The Bible teaches strong male leadership. You say, Pastor Meadows, are you a strong leader? I try to be a strong leader. But you know, I also try to lead for the benefit of others. Amen. I'm not up here on some power trip where it's just like, oh, my opinion is the only opinion that matters. Nobody say anything to me. Nobody. Hey, look, that's stupid. And if you're that type of leader, all that shows us is the pettiness and the weakness in yourself. God gave you men. God gave you a wife, and God gave you children to lead. But you are not to lead for your benefit. You are to lead for the benefit of them. Your wife should be better off in life because of you. Your children should be better off in life because of you. Your wife's not your slave. Your children are not your slaves. And by the way, ladies, yes, I preach submission, but you know, I don't preach that you're your husband's slave. And oftentimes when I see this crazy extreme just go haywire and then people try to quote some verse to justify it, it just breaks my heart. Because this is not what the Bible teaches. I find that men tend to be on these extremes. They either abdicate, they submit and yield to the will of their wife, Or they get on some power trip where they just are mean and cruel and and don't care anything about their wife or their children. And I think to myself, none of this is in the Bible. The Bible teaches that my job is to be a husband. That word husband comes from this idea of a house bander, the one who bands a house together, who protects the home, who provides the home, who is there to make sure that the people within this home are being cared for and being loved and being taken care of. And none of that has to do with being mean and cruel. And none of that has to do with abdicating your role and telling your wife, okay, you be in charge. The reason we're failing in America today, the reason reason that so many Christian homes are failing is because men have failed to lead their homes. Would to God we'd have a generation of men like Joshua that would stand up and say, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would to God that, that God would be able to look down at the men of Verity Baptist Church and say, for I know him, and put your name there. That he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon him that which he has spoken of. You say, I want to reach my full potential as a father. Okay, we'll lead. Dad, stop being an absentee father. Show up. Get involved. Get engaged. Get spiritual. Read the Bible. Show up to church. 
take the role of leadership. And look, I'm encouraging you to take the role of leadership, but I'm not encouraging you to take the role of leadership so you can have some slave you call a wife. You didn't get that from me. I'm encouraging you to take the role of leadership and to lead for the benefit of others. That your wife would be better off in life as a result of being married to you. That your children would be better off in life as a result of being born in your home. That you would be the house banner. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 if you would. Ephesians chapter 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. I said number one, to reach your full potential as a father, you should lead your home. You say, Pastor, when you preached on Mother's Day, uh, you tried really hard to be nice. Yeah, but this is Father's Day. And that's the problem with some of you men is you're weak. And, and, and you, you can barely take a verbal beating, much less a physical one, which I'm happy to oblige either one, whichever one you need. You say, I don't know, Pastor, you're kind of small. I got more heart than a lot of you guys, I tell you that. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. Number one, to reach your full potential as a father, you should lead your home. Number two, to reach your full potential as a father, you should encourage your children. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, the Bible says this, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. It is so easy often for men to be harsh and hard. The Bible admonishes us that we provoke not our children to wrath. In Colossians chapter 3, keep your place there in Ephesians. Put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. Ephesians chapter 6. Go, go to Colossians if you would. After Colossians, you have Philippians, then, then Colossians. After Ephesians, you have Philippians, then Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Colossians 3, verse 21. I mean, I don't, I don't know because I, I live in this bubble called Christianity. And I live in this bubble called Verity Baptist Church. And all the people I'm around, for the most part, are godly people that love the Lord. And obviously, I go soul winning every week and I meet... But, but I think to myself, like, it cannot be, I mean, it cannot be that just the average man in America today just thinks it's totally fine for some other dude to just show up to work in a skirt. Like, it can't, I, I realize most of them are not saying anything. But, but imagine what would happen in America if men would step up. See, we, we get so we, we we get so you know focused on all the 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 reprobates and the queers and all the disgusting vile people coming out of the closet. You know what I'm concerned with? I wish men would come out of the closet. Men are hiding in the closet from their wives. Proverbs calls it you know they're on the rooftop because they're afraid of their wives because their wives are in charge. Afraid of their children because their children are in charge. Hey, I think it's time for maybe just the straight, godly, Christian man to step out of the closet and say, I'm here. God placed me here to lead this home, to lead my wife, to lead my children, to lead churches, to lead society. Not for my own benefit, for the benefit of others. And by the way, let me just say this. I'm against the feminist movement. Do you want to know why the feminist movement came about? It came about because of abusive men. Because of men who thought that leadership meant overpowering and enslaving people. So you say, I don't like feminism. Okay, then step up and be a Christian man and a leader. Amen. Stop being so stinking abusive and weird. Love your wife. Love your children. Amen. Love people. Lead for their benefit. Try to make their lives better. Look, being a servant leader doesn't mean you go home and, 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 and vacuum. It means that you leverage your role as a leader, your resources, your finances, your strength, your ability for the benefit of others. Reach your full potential as a father, you should lead your home. Number two, to reach your full potential as a father, you should encourage your children. In Colossians 3.21, the Bible says this, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Now, why does God say this? Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Why does God say this? Here's why he says it, because it's so easy for men to be harsh and to provoke their children to wrath and to provoke their children to anger. And God says, don't do it. You say, why? Here's why. Last part of verse 21. Lest they be discouraged. 
Often our attitude and our words can be so discouraging to those that we lead. But God advises us to provoke not our children to wrath. Go to, go to uh, Psalms, if you would, Psalm 103. If you open your Bible, just write in the center. You'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms, Psalm 103. You know, men can often, may have the tendency to be too hard, but men, we should strive to be gentle. The psalmist said, thy gentleness, referring to God, hath made me great. You know, the term gentlemen, I'm talking about hundreds of years ago when the term was first developed, it was a term used for men who were chivalrous, who were brave, who were courageous, who were strong, who went out to battle, and they fought for the honor of their wives and their children. And those men were referred to as gentlemen. And this idea that we are not to be these harsh angry, dictatorial, you say, are you against me? Look, I'm I'm for leadership. Some of you may not like this, but let me just let you on a little secret. Verity Baptist Church is ran. I run this church as a dictator. I run my home as a dictatorship. I can't believe you say that. Then, Then, yeah, that's the problem. But let me tell you something. It's a benevolent dictatorship. The difference between you and me is you're Saddam Hussein. People want to be part of this thing because they know that there's a leader who's looking out for them, who's got their best interest in mind, who's trying to help them and encourage them and and leverage whatever resources God has given me to help you. You got to step up. Be a gentle man. Gentle with your wife. Gentle with your children. Psalm 103, verse 13. Notice what the Bible says. Like a father... Notice the words, pitieth his children. That word pity or pitieth means to have compassion. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Go to Proverbs 29, look at verse 21. Proverbs 29, verse 21. You just flip over one book to Proverbs uh, 29. Do me a favor, keep your place in Proverbs. You should have your place in Ephesians. Keep your place in Ephesians, then keep your place in Proverbs. Proverbs 29, verse 21. Notice what the Bible says. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. Here again, the Bible speaks to this idea of delicacy, pitieth, gentleness. He that de- and this is not even talking about a son. It's talking about a servant, like an employee. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son. What does that mean? That means that a man, and of course this is in the ancient world, the idea is that a man could bring a servant into his home, not his flesh and blood, just someone else that comes for the purposes of serving and working with his home. But this man, as a leader, delicately bringeth up his servant. What does that mean? Bring up. It means that he's encouraging them. It means that he's making them better. It means that he's serving for their benefit. They are there to serve him, but he's leading them for their benefit. They're being brought up. They are better in life as a result. And he does that delicately. He does that lovingly. He does that compassionately. He does that pitying. And notice the Bible says, he that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child, notice, shall have him, who? The servant, become his son. Become his son at the length. What does that mean? Look, let me tell you, you want to know how you can get people to be loyal to you? How you can get people to give you, to allow you to influence them in life? Delicately bring them up. Delicately invest in their lives and bring them up in life. Help them become better than they are. Help them, what we've been talking about for the last 10 weeks, reach their full potential. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. Go to Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Now, now, some of you guys, please listen, because this is what I've learned about men, is that they're not good listeners. But your wife's been telling you for years. And now I'm saying it to you as well. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because you just heard me talk about being delicate and gentle. But that doesn't mean that you're soft. We're gentlemen. 
We're not soy men. Those are the guys in the skirts. Those are the guys with the lipstick. So, number one, to reach your full potential as a father, you should lead your home. Number two, to reach your full potential as a father, you should encourage your children. Number three, to reach your full potential as a father, you should discipline your children. Amen. So, well, you just have to be gentle. Yeah, this is a balance. Proverbs 3, verse 11, notice what it says. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrected. You know what the Lord corrects his children? He chastens his children. This is the answer, by the way, to those who balk at eternal security. People say, oh, you believe in eternal security. You're just giving people a license to sin if you say that you can't lose your salvation. Well, wait a minute. I can't lose my salvation because God is my heavenly father and I was born into his family. But you know, the Bible says that God chastens his children. So despise not the chase of the Lord, neither beware of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth he correcteth. Notice the illustration. Notice the analogy. Even as a father, even as a father of the son in whom he delighted. If you're going to reach your full potential as a father, you should discipline your children. You should discipline them. You say, but well, how, how, how can, how, what about the whole being gentle? This is the problem people have. People think, people think that being stern or being clear or correcting somebody or acknowledge or, or going to someone and say, hey, you're doing something wrong. You need to stop doing this. People think that's unloving. You need to get that out of your head. In fact, that's the most, the most loving thing that a father can do is to correct his children. Now, he should not be cruel in the process. He should not be mean in the process. He should not be, uh, 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 you know, just uh, out of control in the process. But it is unloving to not correct your children. Go to Proverbs 13. Look at verse 24. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Discipline is an act of love. Proverbs 13, 24. The Bible says, he that spareth his rod hateth his son. Don't miss that. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. What does that mean? The father that fails to discipline his children hates his children. Say, I can't believe you said that. I didn't say it. God did. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him, be times. The word be times means early in life. If you love your children, you'll chasten them. You'll correct them. Discipline is an act of love. I often, I often tell my staff, you know, from time to time, I have to tell our staff when they're doing something wrong or when they're not doing something correctly. And look, I often say to them, like, don't, don't think I'm mad at you. You know, when I stop correcting you, that's when you should be concerned. Because whether it feels like it at the moment or not, discipline is actually an act of love. And it's the, it's the parents that just ignore their children and let them do whatever they want. Those parents hate their children. And, and you say, but, but none of those parents would say they hate their children. But here's what they don't understand. When they love themselves to the point where they're willing to allow their children to continue behavior that will, uh, that will ruin their lives, they hate their children. That's what God said. Now, we should be gentle, and we should be loving, and we should lead for the benefit of others. But you must discipline your children. If you intend to reach your full potential as a father, you should discipline your children. Say, what does that mean? Listen to me, Dad. Please listen to me. It means you need to stop making excuses for your kids. Stop making excuses for their behavior. It means you need to stop enabling your children. It means means that you need to stop... Uh, enabling their bad and wrong behavior. I won't have you turn there, but if you remember, the father of the prodigal son did not go after his son. He didn't stop loving him. He loved him. Soon as the son was on his way back, he ran towards him and he forgave him and he accepted him, but he did not run after him. Why? Because oftentimes true love is tough love. We'll see it in in Galatians here uh, soon when Paul says to the Galatians after he's given them a spiritual spanking and he says, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? 
reminds me of Eli. You don't have to turn here, but Eli in the Old Testament, where the Bible says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Those words are haunting to me as well. He restrained them not. Listen to me, Father. Listen to me, husband. God will hold you accountable. God will hold you accountable for what's done in your home. Now, you should love your children, and you should lead your children, and we're going to talk about keeping your children's heart and all of that. But at the end of the day, if you've lost their heart, and at the end of the day, if you've lost their respect, and at the end of the day, if, if, if they are vile, then at the end of the day, it's your job to make sure you restrain them. God will hold you accountable. Look up Adam throughout the Bible. Look up Adam throughout the entire Bible. You know what you find in the New Testament when Adam is brought up? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Adam gets all the blame. New Testament. Every reference to Adam, it's like, it's his fault. He did it. He brought sin into the world. Then you go back and you look at the story, and you're like, but wait a minute, it was Eve. Eve's the one that took of the fruit. Eve's the one that gave to her husband. Again, another guy submitting to his wife. Ruined the whole world, literally. <laughs> Eve's the one that did it, but yet God blames Adam. Why? Because Adam's in charge. Because Adam is the one that God set there as the leader, as the head. And listen to me, Dad. God will hold you accountable. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Now, I love my children, and I've got some good children, and I, and I thank the Lord for them. And today, as I was reading their notes this morning, and they wrote me notes and wrote me things, and, I, and my heart was just burdened as I, as I, as I read the, the words from my children and thinking to myself, man, I, I hope that I can live up to these kids. And I thank, and I thank God for my children. And they're not perfect, okay? One of them's going to go break something after the service, and you're going to come up. You said your kids were and, and Shut up. <laughs> I was thinking it's funny. People whose children are nightmares want to complain about everybody else's kids. It's like, okay. Anyway, that's a sermon for another day. That's Mother's Day or something. I don't know. But, you know, here's the thing. Like, when it comes to my children, I want to lead them gently. I want to lead them lovingly. I want to try to influence them. I want to try to encourage them. I want to try to, to, to have their hearts. But if needed, I will grab them. Do you hear what I just said? When they're in my home, hopefully this never happens. Hopefully this never happens. But if they're living in my, in my home, if needed, I will show up wherever I need to show up. I will pour that alcohol out. I, I will throw it out of their hands. I will, I will restrain them and bring them out of the bar. Hopefully that's never the case. I'm just telling you, that's my plan. Uh, hopefully we never get there. I don't think we'll ever get there. But I will restrain them while they are under my authority. You say, I can't believe that. Hey, hey Pastor, you know, your, your sons are big. Praise God for it. I, God's just going to have to give me some supernatural strength. I'm just going to skip a haircut and like Samson, go bind them and do whatever I've got to do. I just, you see, some of you, and you're laughing, and that's okay, and I understand it. But some, I, I wish some of you just got a little some emotion in you about your families. You don't have any emotions. It's just kind of like, whatever, whatever, whatever my wife wants to do, whatever my kids want to do, whatever everybody wants to do, you just don't care. What to God men in this country would get right with God? Would take their job to provide and to protect and to be the leader seriously. We can't do it without you, men. We need you to step up. To reach your full potential as a father, you should discipline your children. Now, hopefully you never get there. Hopefully you don't get there. The goal is to never get there. But if you have to physically restrain them, restrain them. I'm not talking about some grown man. I'm talking about when they're in your home under your authority, God will hold you accountable. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Look, I'm just telling you, mom and dad, if you know your kids are doing drugs, if you know your kids are drinking alcohol, they're living in your stinking home, if you know your kids are fornicating, living in your home, you say, what would you do? I would physically restrain them. Amen. I would show up. I would pull it out of their, 
out of their mouth. I'd pull it out of their hands. I'd physically separate them. That's what I'd do. I don't know what's wrong with you. It's called love. It's called loving your children. Loving your family. To reach your full potential as a father, you should discipline your children. Number four. Go back to Ephesians 6 if you would. Keep your place in Proverbs and go back to Ephesians 6. You say, Pastor, this is not a very nice sermon. I'm disillusioned with men in America today. I'm disillusioned with Christian men. I'll just be honest with you. It's a sad state we're in. And we want to complain. We want to complain about the transgenders and we want to complain about all that, all that crap. But all that crap is your fault and my fault. The fact that preachers are not standing up and preaching the way I'm preaching right now is the reason we find ourselves in the mess we find ourselves in. Judgment should begin at the house of the Lord, at the house of God. So how about Christian men get their hearts right and say, uh, search me, O Lord, and know my heart and try me and say, I'm going to get right with God and I'm going to lead my family in the right direction. Then we can make a difference. Let me tell you something. Some of you are so crazy, you think, uh, if we could just elect Donald Trump, that'll solve everything. He was already elected, it didn't solve anything. The hope is not the White House, it's God's house. It's not the Constitution, sorry, it's the Word of God. And if we can get the Word of God back into people, get the Word of God back into home, get the Word of God back into society, then we'll see a change. Number four. To reach your full potential as a father, you should disciple your children in the things of the Lord. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture. You see the word nurture? That's gentle. That's nourishing, strengthening, protecting, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition. You see the word admonition there? Admonition is correction. I'm going to you and I'm saying, hey, that's wrong. Don't do that. That's counsel, that's advice, that's caution. These things are put together for a reason. Yes, we should admonish. Yes, we should uh, correct. Yes, we should uh, uh, rebuke, but it should be done nurturing. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Look, Dad, and, and I, I'm not against this. But if you get to the end of, of your parenting career, your children are, are married and out of the house, and all your children have to say is, my dad taught me to go fishing, and my dad taught me to go hunting, and my dad taught me to, to do this sport or that sport, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Those are good things. But if that's all they learn from you, you failed. Now, I hope they can say, my dad taught me to go fishing, and he taught me to be a man of character. My dad taught me to go hunting, and he taught me to work hard and be a man of integrity. But I'd rather they say, my dad wasn't into hunting and wasn't into fishing and wasn't really into anything, but he taught me how to work hard and to be honest, and, to, and, 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 and he taught me how to, how, how to have discipline and how to have character and how to be a man of integrity. He taught me how to treat my future wife and how to treat my future children by how I watched them treat my mother. I'm just telling you, your job is to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, you can bring them up in the nurture and admonition of, of hunting and, and baseball and soccer and football. I'm not against those things. We do those things. I'm not against those things. But if that's your goal, you're a failure. You will fail. So what should the goal be? The goal is always, the goal is God. The goal is God. I want them to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want them to love the Lord, to know the Lord, to be known of the Lord, and to make the Lord known. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's your job, Dad. That's not the pastor's job. Now, I'll do everything in my power to help you, but I, I can't raise your children one hour a week if you make it you've got to raise them you've got to bring them up you've got to disciple them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord go back to Proverbs Proverbs chapter 1 look at these verses Proverbs chapter 1 
people come to me and they'll say things like, oh, I don't know, I just kind of thought that I'd go to church and it'd just kind of be a nice, you know, I just need a, like a 30-minute pep talk and I just want to feel good. And, and I think to myself, like, the, the house is on fire. This is not a picnic. The world's on fire! Somebody needs to stand up and say, hey, we got to change something. This isn't working. Look at it. It's falling apart. Men, step up. Proverbs 1.8, my son, hear the instruction of thy father. And forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1, hear, ye children, the instruction of a father. And attend to no understanding. Dad, are you instructing your children? Look, please don't. Some of you are going to walk out here and say, Pastors are against fishing. I, I didn't say I'm against fishing. I just, I, 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 all I'm saying is I'd rather my sons grow up and say, My dad never took me fishing, but he taught me how to fish for men. Yeah. I, I'm not against it. Our, I, I, my, just yesterday, the last couple of days, the Giants have been playing the Dodgers, and my sons and I have been keeping up on it, and they keep telling me the Giants are bad, but every time I watch them play, they're winning. <laughs> I'm assuming it's the Holy Spirit. I was just, you know, we're just giving it to them or something. Or maybe it's because the Dodgers are having a bunch of transvestites before their game, and God's like, well, you're going to lose that one. I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, not against, I'm not against it. I'm not against fun. I'm not against, I'm not against those things. But that's not what life is about. That's not what it's all about. So have the games and have the sports and have, have all that. But also have Bible reading and prayer Good. and church attendance and loving God and bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Also have conversations where you say, my son, hear the instruction of thy father. Also have conversations when you say, hear your children the instruction of a father. Good. Number five. Go back to Job, if you would. You're there in Proverbs. You go past Psalms. If you go backwards, past Psalm into the book of Job, Job 29. To reach your full potential as a father, you should lead your home. To reach your full potential as a father, you should encourage your children. To reach your full potential as a father, you should discipline your children. To reach your full potential as a father, you should disciple your children in the things of the Lord. Here's number five. Actually, I'm just going to read it to you before I give it to you. Look at Job. This is Job. This is Job. Of course, speaking, Job 29, verse 1. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, I'm just reading that to you so you can see that it's Job speaking. Notice what he says in verse 2. Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me. So obviously, Job is going through a very difficult trial in his life right now. He's lost everything financially. His health is bad. His children have died. If you understand the context of the book of Job, he's in a bad place. But I just want you to notice that he says, Oh, that I were as months past. You say, what is he talking about? When I had all my money, is that what he's referring to? When I had my health, is that what he's referring to? When business was good, when the economy was good, when Donald Trump was in power, is that what he's referring to? Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, verse 5, look at it, when the Almighty was yet with me, notice his priority. When the Almighty was yet with me, and then he says this. I love this. I love this. If you're a father, you ought to underline this in your Bible. I love this little phrase. When my children were about me. Amen. That word about means around. When I was in the Air Force, we had, uh, a uh, uh, and we were marching, you'd be commanded, about face. What does that mean? It means you turn around. And Job says, I remember the days when my children were about me, when my children were around me. What's interesting, and by the way, let me just say this, Job was a, an amazing dad. Obviously, he's lost his children pre prematurely, but that was not because of anything he'd done wrong. If you study Job in the Bible, you know what you'll find? You'll find a man, when the story begins, his children are getting together on their day we don't know what that means necessarily, but I tend to think it's probably like a birthday. On their birthdays, they would get together. And Job is getting up early in the morning, and he's doing sacrifices, and he's praying for his children just in case they might have sinned against the Lord. 
And I look at that and I think that's so amazing that this man, because at that point, his children are grown adults. And as a grown, as a as a as an empty nester of grown adult children, Job is getting up every day and praying for his children. That's humbling. I often think to myself, and I'm humbled by this thought: if I don't pray for my children, who will? And you moms and dads out there who are not actively praying for your children are not praying. You say, oh, what do I pray? Hey, pray for your children. Pray for their purity. Pray that they'll grow up to be productive members of society. Pray that they'll be prepared for uh, the future and that you and your wife can prepare them for the future. Pray for their future partner. You know, one day when my children get married, I want to go meet that young lady or meet that young man, maybe for the first time, lay my eyes on the individual that will marry my children uh, and, and, and maybe get, learn their name for the first time. But I want to be able to look them in the eye and say, though this is the first time I've met you, though I've never seen you before, and I've just uh, learned your name, I've been praying for you for a long time. I've been praying. My wife and I have been praying for the individuals that our children will marry, praying that our children would be ready for the day that they get married to be the benevolent leader that that young lady needs, to be the godly, submissive wife that that young man needs. I just think some of, some of us are you're just playing games with this parenting thing. Job says, when my children were about me. You know what's interesting is this, that you find Job's adult children, and what are they all doing? They're getting together. Adult children getting together. Job's not even there. Getting together on their days, whatever that means, their birthdays, celebrating each other, having a good time together. You say, why are you bringing this up? Here's what that tells me. You know what that tells me? What that tells me, when I look at the story of Job and I realize that he has adult children who are on their own, out of the home, getting together and, and spending time with each other, you know what that tells me? They must have had a good home they grew up in. They must have had a lot of memories being around mom and dad. They must have had a lot of memories around the dinner table. They must have had a lot of good memories being together because when they can, they are trying to be together. I realize that as, as children grow, and, and obviously sometimes they, they have to move and things like that, and, and, and that's not possible. But the point is this. They wanted to be together. That tells me that they had a good childhood. And then Job says, I remember the days when my children were about me. And listen to me. Please understand this. You do not have your children for that long. You only have them for a short span. You only have them for 18 years or 20 years or however many years they're going to be in your home. Make sure you have a lot of memories where your children are about you. Or they're around you. You say, what, what's point number five? To reach your full potential as a father, you should spend time with your children. Spend time with your children. Have experiences with your children. Take them places and be with them and talk to them and spend time with them. I don't know what our children will say about our home when they're adult. I hope they say good things. But I'll tell you one thing they can't say. They won't be able to say that, it, that, that mom and dad didn't spend time with them. I mean, I've dragged these kids with me across the country and across the world. You say, why? Because I, I preach like every other week somewhere else. And I'm not going to preach at the expense of my family. So if people want me to preach, I'm just bringing my family. I'm spending time with my family. I'm spending time with my sons. I'm spending time with my daughters. I'm spending time with my wife. To reach your full potential, you need to spend time with your children. You need to prioritize having time with your kids. I, I, I see, and look, I'm just telling you, I see so many fathers failing because their priorities are, are, are messed up. They're prioritizing work. They're prioritizing money. They're prioritizing things. They're prioritizing things. I, I, I appreciate the men singing this morning. You know, I, I just think Christian men, they, they should be able to, 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 to sing beautifully, if I can use that term. I don't know if that's the right term. Sing handsomely. I don't know that I can say that about these guys. <laughs> if I was singing, that'd be different, but, you know. That they can sing beautifully and, and, and yet be strong men. You know, in the Bible, David, the toughest 
the toughest, strongest warrior in the Bible, David, killing Goliath, fighting the battles of the Lord. And he was also the sweet psalmist of Israel. I just think men should be able to sing and fight. Now, some of you guys are not, do not have the aptitude to sing, and that's not your fault, but we appreciate if you stop, and that's, I'm not talking to you. The verse for you is make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But, you know, and honestly, like, you know, the reason we even had a men's choir is because I was sitting there a few weeks ago. I was sitting there, you know, just during a Sunday night congregational uh, service, and, and I'm listening to these guys. I think it was like Brother uh, James and Brother RJ, maybe some other guys were sitting there. And they're just in the congregational service. They're just singing, and they're singing different parts, and they're harmonizing. And I was like, man, I should get these guys to, to do a men's choir. Amen. You know, I'm just saying like, hey, men, why don't you learn to love God? Why don't you learn to sing? And love God. Sing at church. Sing with your family. Why don't you learn to, to open your Bible during the preaching and pay attention and maybe say amen every once in a while. If your wife will give you permission, maybe you can say amen. Maybe ask your wife for permission. Honey, would, you, would it be okay if I say amen? <laughs> to reach your full potential as a father. You should spend time with your children. Number six, go to Proverbs 23 if you would. You're there in Job, pass Psalms into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 23. By the way, let me just say this. One of the reasons we have sometimes problems at a church like this is because sometimes ladies show up to a church like this and they've never met someone like Pastor Humanity. Sometimes I have to have a talk with individuals and say, yeah, I'm not your dad and I'm not your husband. I, you're not going to see me in shorts, but I've got hair on these legs. And there, there's a backbone back here. And this is a pastor-led church. And I realize your husband lets you run amok, and I realize your dad probably lets you run amok, and I realize that your boss lets you run amok and whatever, and your last pastor did. But welcome to Verity Baptist Church. This is a biblically-ran church. Let me introduce you to male leadership. And yes, I am a dictator, but I'll lead for your benefit. I won't abuse you. I won't use you. I won't misuse you. I'll value you, and I'll add value to you. Amen. But I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be ran by a bunch of women. That's right. I always think it's funny because women get all upset, and as they're walking out, they make sure I know like, they're all upset. I'm thinking, myself, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not your husband. What? My wife is nice, and she's pretty, so I don't care. Rolling your eyes at me. I'm you think I am? It's called biblical leadership. I'm just saying because some of you are going to do it on the way out, and I'm just saying. Except today it'll be the men. I'll be like, I don't care. I don't care. Proverbs 23, number six. To reach your full potential as a father, you should set the example for your children. My son, give me thine heart. Notice this phrase. And let thine eyes observe my ways. wonder how many of us fathers would be willing to say that to our children. Let thine eyes observe my ways. Let me ask you something, Dad. What are your sons learning about how, you, how to treat their future wife based on how they see you treat their mother? You know, the problem, the problem with some, some of the, the, the leadership, the, 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 the men leadership, is that as, it's, I feel like some of these guys, they, they just they think that they're like better than women. That is not taught in the Bible. Sorry. And sometimes I look at these guys, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you're not even that smart. Like, you're not smart. You're not talented. Like, maybe you should humble yourself a little bit and realize, like, some of these women are actually smart. And we shouldn't put them in charge. But you know what? My, my wife was given to me as a helpmeet to help me. And, if I, and, and, and one of the reasons that, that I can lead in the way that I have led and, and, and I've been given the success to whatever degree that God has allowed me to have is because I'm not an idiot who just say, my way or no way, I got all the answers. You know, some, sometimes you, 
a, a strong, confident leader can say, hey, honey, what do you think about that? A strong, confident leader can go to his staff and say, what do you guys think about that? Hey, I've got this situation. What are your thoughts? You know what the Bible says? And the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Yeah. But see, it requires a strong, confident leader to be able to humble yourself and say, what do you think? You're smart. What do you think? I'm constantly telling the staff, they, they got to ask me for permission for something. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. You run that ministry. You would know better than I. What do you think? Well, I think X, Y, and Z. I say, well, I think that's great. But see, some of you guys are so petty and so insecure and so small in your mind and your heart. You're like, I can't ask anybody. I can't ask anybody. Just do what I say. Just do what I say. The Bible says. The Bible says. And what I say to you is this. If you have to remind the people following you that they have to listen to you because you're the leader, you're not the leader. If you have to keep pushing and just beating them over the head, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, then you're not the boss. Because leadership is influence. And influence is earned through respect and credibility and achievements. And people should want to follow you because they say, huh, I think that guy knows what he's doing. I'm just saying, you do what you want. You should set the example for your children. What are your sons learning about how to treat their future wife based on how they see you treat their mother? What are your daughters learning about how they should be treated? By their future husband, based on how they treat their mother, how you treat their mother. Look, one of my goals in life, and obviously I love my wife and I try to treat her well and love her and all of that. But I also have a goal of treating my daughters well. And I also have a goal of teaching my sons how they should treat their future wife by how they see me treat their mother and teaching my daughters how they should be treated by how they see... Because look, when some jerk shows up and starts talking down to them, some jerk shows up and starts acting like he's smarter than they are simply because he was born a male. I want my daughters to be like, uh, no thanks, clown. I grew up in Pastor Jimenez's home, and I know how a true man is supposed to treat a, a young lady. And you're a piece of garbage. Get out of my face. But see, some of you guys, you, you treat your wife so badly, and then you're going to be all upset. That your wife, your daughter goes out and finds a clown like you. It's called daddy issues. I'm just saying, look, I, some people pay a lot of money for this as psychiatrists. I'm just, I'm giving it to you for free. <laughs> what are your daughters learning about how they should be treated by their future husbands? Based on how you treat your wife, their mother. What are your children learning about how to treat their future children based on how do you treat your you treat them i'm just saying are you setting the example my son give me thine heart and let not thine eyes let, let thine eyes observe my ways here's number 7 we'll be done we're still there in proverbs 23 verse 26 my son knows this phrase give me thine heart to reach your full potential as a father you should keep your children's heart so what does that mean? That means you keep influence. You have influence. Now, now listen to me. When your children are little, you don't have to keep their hearts because they give you their hearts. Because children just intuitively, they, they, they need mom, they need dad, so they just, they want to be with mom, they want to be with dad, and you can restrain them and make them do what you need them to do. Please listen to me. You need to be using those years when they give you their hearts for you to earn their hearts as they get older. Because when they're teenagers, when they're young adults, and even when they're married adults, if you want to continue to have influence over your children, you can't make them do I mean, there comes a point where you, you're, you know, you're looking at this kid and you're like, I'm not going to spank you. But I expect you to do what I said. You know why? Because I'm your father. And you should love me. 
See, some, some of you, you say that to your kids, I don't love you. And that's a problem. I'm not, pick, I'm not picking on you. I'm just telling you. You say, you've got to fight for your children's hearts. You've got to keep their hearts. You say, well, how do I do that? I've been telling you this whole time. Lead your home. Encourage your children. Discipline your children. Disciple them in the Lord. Spend time with them. Set the right example. And when you do that, you'll have their heart. You'll have their respect. You'll have their friendship. One thing my wife and I talk about often is that we need to raise, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. We're raising children to be adults. We want to raise them in such a way that when they are no longer under our authority, they would still want to be our friend. They would still seek our counsel. They would still allow us, and obviously we would, we would protect that, and they've got their own home, and, and he's the head of his home, or she's got a husband, and we would protect that, but that they would still allow us to have some sort of influence on their life. Malachi chapter 4, if you would. Last book in the Old Testament. I think the greatest, the the biggest thing that parents need to do, and and you need to really think about this and, and figure this out, is how to keep your children's hearts. How to keep your children's hearts. And and I and I will say this. That the way you Keep the way you, you say, well, but, but my, my children's hearts are already turned away from me. Please understand something. They are turned away from you for a reason. Look, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying to help you. They are turned away from you for a reason. But you know that every child, I don't care how old they are, instinctively wants to be loved and accepted by their parents. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, and he shall turn Notice what it says, the heart of the father to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I should come and smite the earth with a curse. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God can turn the heart of the children to their fathers. That's what I want. But you know what the first step is? That the heart of the fathers needs to be turned towards the children. See, here's the truth, Dad. Your kids know when you're not, they are not your priority. They know it. They know when other things are more important to you. They know when uh, you see them as a burden. They, they, They know that your heart and your energy is turned somewhere other than to them. They know that instinctively. They might not say that, but they know that. And their heart is turned away from you because you have turned your heart away from them. But when you turn your heart to your children, when you say, you know what, I haven't been leading spiritually, but I'm going to start leading spiritually. I haven't been setting the right example, but I'm going to start setting the right example. I haven't been spending time with you, but I'm going to start spending time with you. I I haven't earned the respect to influence, but I'm going to start earning that respect, and I'm going to love you, and I'm going to correct you when I need to correct you, and I'm going to do it lovingly, and I'm going to lead for your best. And here's what I'm telling you. When you do that, you're the hearts of your children will turn towards you. But you know what most men are chasing? Property. You know what most men are chasing? Money. You know what most men are chasing? Vehicles. You know what most men are chasing? Vacations. I appreciate what the the men saying this morning. The things of earth will dim and lose their value if we recall They're borrowed for a while. See that house I live in? It's borrowed for a while. You say, Pastor, your house is ugly. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm not not making a joke. I know. It's falling apart. Don't you care? It's borrowed for a while. Pastor, those clothes you wear, I don't know. We try to keep them clean. I think it's nice, but it's not like a $1,000 suit. Buy them on sale. Hey, don't you care? Borrowed for a while. Don't you want to drive a nicer car? You only have one car. You and your wife have to share the one car. Borrowed for a while. The things of earth 
will lose their value when you realize they are borrowed for a while. But you know what's not borrowed for a while? Those kids. Those kids are an eternal soul. For all of eternity, I will be their dad. So instead of focusing on things that waste away in this world, I'll say, son, give me thine heart. Let thine eyes observe my ways. And I would just submit to you that if men would step up in their role as a leader, we could make a change in this country. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you asking for forgiveness. Asking that you would forgive my failures as a leader. And asking that you would forgive the failures of the men in this country. Because we find ourselves where we are. Because Christian men have decided to let their wives lead. Christian men have decided to let their children lead. Christian men have decided to abdicate their position of leadership. And then many Christian men who haven't are just on power trips. And it's so sad. It's so heartbreaking that it's difficult to find the man who says, yes, I will lead for the benefit of others. That man is hard to find. But Lord, I pray that you would raise up some men, that you would raise up some men in some homes that would stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to provide and I'm going to protect and I'm going to point my family towards the things of God. I'm going to lead them for their benefit and for the benefit of God. And Lord, I pray that a great work would be done in the homes of the families here at Verity Baptist Church. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.